So racism is the idea that various nations or ethnic groups can be identified by race and that some of those races, races are in their belief biological or you're born into a particular race and it describes your biological makeup according to the theories of racism and that some races are inherently better or in a superior or worse, inferior to other races. Now, surprisingly, racism, the way the term is used, is a fairly new idea that only emerged in the 19th century. Prior to the 9th, 19th century, there were always forms of what we call today xenophobia, or fear of people who are different to yourself, a dislike of people who are different. That's always been around. People have always, there's always been different people living near each other or among each other. People often persecuted minority groups that lived among them. People disliked or persecuted members of different tribes, members of different religions, even if they were of the same ethnic background, but they were members of a different religion. People that spoke a different language, people that had a different culture, people that were part of a different group, even sometimes people who looked visibly different. Jews, as a unique group, who definitely had our own religion and culture, and at times had our own language um, and a very distinct culture, um, were often persecuted. Um, a, a term was also coined in the anti in the 19th century, particularly for anti-Jewish hatred called anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism could be racism, although it's not necessarily. Um, but it definitely is often racism could be, anti-Semitism could be expressed as a form of racism. But this really only began in the 19th, the concept of racism, seeing people as members of a particular race, only really began in the 19th century. So in the 19th century, people began to believe, and we'll soon talk about why, why they believe that, that various ethnic groups are part of specific races. In other words, there's a whole chain and a whole, um, tree as to how various ethnic groups evolved and they're part of every ethnic group is part of a different branch in this tree and different ethnic groups are part of different larger races and various races um, some are superior to others while others are inferior and every person who is born into that particular particular ethnic group is then an extension of that race, the race that that ethnic group is part of, and they are by birth, there's nothing they can do about it, no way they can change it. They are a part of that race, whether superior, whether inferior, based on where they, it was believed their ethnic group came from, and based on this kind of tree where some ethnic groups were inherently inferior or superior, or superior to others. And this belief system that developed of racism, that developed in the 19th century, um, explained a lot of things that allowed anti-Semites. Now, anti-Semitism existed for a very long time. Most often, anti-Semitism historically was a religious thing. 
Christians hated Jews because they were Jewish and not Christian. And Muslims hated Jews because they were Jewish and not Muslim. For that matter, members of other religions hated Jews because of their religion. Even Jews that converted to Christianity, they still hated them because they were new Christians, they weren't real Christians. But they hated them, it was over their religion. By the 19th century, many Jews were not practicing Judaism. There were many secular Jews that were atheists or were, even if they believed in God, were not particularly Jewish practicing religiously. There were many Christians that, or Europeans of European descent, Christian descent, that were not practicing Christians either. So they could no longer hate Jews over religious reasons. But racism created a great explanation for anti-Semitism. You can hate Jews because they are Semites. In fact, that's the term anti-Semitism was initially created to explain anti-Jewish racism. Um, they are Semites. They're from a different ethnic background, a different race, an inferior race, and therefore they are hated no matter what their belief or religion is. They hate them because of their inferiority as uh, because being members of an inferior race. It also allowed um, in the days, great days, the mid-19th century and the great days of the debate over slavery in this country, it allowed for those who were pro-slavery used it as an explanation, even though they believed as that all people were, all men were created equal, as our Declaration of Independence declares, all men were created equal. Well, that is referring to white men, European men. That doesn't refer to African men. They use another term, which is today considered a slur. I won't use it. Um, they, but it doesn't refer to African men. They're of a different race, an inferior race. They were not created equal, and they were meant to be enslaved. So racism also served as an explanation for um, slavery, for those that were pro-slavery. It also allowed the Europeans, who claimed, of course, the ones who created the concept of racism, claimed that they were the most superior race. Um, it allowed them to explain how they had the right to colonialize Africa and Asia in the 19th century, because after all, they were a superior race to the Africans and the Asians, and that gave them the right to um, that gave them the right to colonialize them and to mistreat them in those colonies. It even allowed people within this theory of racism that evolved in the mid-19th century also allowed Europeans to declare that some Europeans were of inferior races to other Europeans. Western Europeans, they decided, the Germans and English decided, and Americans decided that Western Europeans were of a superior race to Southern and Eastern Europeans. And somehow those Southern that have more Latin-based languages than Germanic languages come from a different race and they are inferior, or Eastern Europeans that have Slavic-based languages are somehow inferior to the Western Europeans of Germanic languages, whom they called themselves the Aryan race. According to those that believe in racism? No, race. 
So racism, if you believe in racism, how exactly does the details of the theory work? That's a good question. Let, let, let's keep going. I'll try to answer it all. So racism, of course, became the central platform. We'll get to it, Debbie. Debbie, hopefully it will answer itself. Ra racism became the central platform of the National Socialist, the Nazi Party in Germany, which came to power in 1933, and became, in Germany, um, the uh, racism became the... Um, official, um, uh, the official law of the land in Germany and later lands that they conquered during World War II. And it culminated in the Holocaust, in the, in the attempted genocide of the Jewish people, as well as Roma, who they also believed were a inferior race and also led to subjugation and murder of many other European inferior groups, Eastern Europeans and Southern Europeans, whom they believed to were inferior. Racism was also the basis of the apartheid regime, regime in South Africa and other similar to apartheid regimes in um, Rhodesia and other um, African territories. It was also the basis, the beliefs in racism, the beliefs in racism was also the basis of our own Jim Crow laws that we had here in this country until the second half of the 20th century, until not that long ago, that were discriminatory policies against African Americans um, based on the belief that they were of an inferior race. Now, while racism was extremely popular and a widely held belief by at least Europeans throughout much of the 19th and 20th centuries, after the Holocaust, people saw the horrors of racism and what it had led to. And as a result, a movement grew very, very quickly, almost instantly following World War II, that rejected racism, rejected the very concept of racism, um, both in Europe as well as here in the United States, um, rejected anti-Semitism. In this country, we continue to have official racism in the South and really throughout the country, um, even if it wasn't officially government sanctioned, but there was in practice racism continuously, at least until the mid 1960s, the civil rights movement um, that finally did an end with it. Today, racism or the very belief that people belong to particular races and there are various people by their ethnic um, background where they're, who their parents are or where they came from um, means that they came from particular races is largely regulated to the fringes is largely regulated to the fringes of our society. It still does exist. There still are races, racists in this country. Thankfully, well there are probably millions of them, but they're a very, very small percentage and racism is not openly accepted in the public forum. It has thankfully been regulated to the fringes of our society in this country and at least in all Western countries. It still does exist in other parts of the world, but at least in Western countries, um, racism is no longer accepted, although it does still exist. Most people today, the vast, vast majority of people do not see themselves as racist. 
and would be horrified if they would even be, if they would be accused of being racist. Although some argue that many, there are many holdover views, racist views, that are subtly still there in people's minds. People often see things in a racist perspective or see certain individuals just by their background, see them as inferior or incapable or hold certain stereotypes. That is, in a sense, racism. Um, that probably does exist to some extent in this country, though um, most people would not see themselves as racists and would be horrified if they would be called racists. So we can say that while there may be some level of subtle racism in this country, it is definitely as a concept gone, and although it's still here very small, and no longer accepted within this country. So there are subtle stereotypes that still exist in this country, although when pointed out, most people would not see themselves as racist and would be horrified to be called a racist. So what does, and this, this big change almost certainly came as a result of Nazism and the Holocaust. Um, but the very concept of racism that people should be categorized based on some sort of abstract race um, that they were born into based on where their ancestry came from, based on their biology, um, rather than categorizing people based on religion, based on culture, based on language, based on, based on ethnicity, gender, um, social status, wealth. Those are ways to categorize people, whether we should or we shouldn't is a debate. But the concept of categorizing people based on their race has largely fallen away, and we generally believe that that is mostly wrong. There is somewhat of a movement, which is I don't want to talk about today, to um, at least use racism today in order to counter or undo the negative effects of racism. So people who their grandparents suffered from racism or they suffer from subtle racism still today, um, to look at their race in order to give them a, to give them an extra push and help them catch up, whether we should often refer to as um, affirmative action, whether that's a good idea or not is beyond our discussion today. But the very concept of racism is generally believed today to be incorrect, wrong, misguided, and leads to horrible consequences. So what does Judaism have to say about all this? So the Torah tells us that man was created in the image of God. The Torah, the Mishnah tells that man was created in the image of God. The Mishnah says that all humans are precious to God because every single human was created in his image. And our sages say we must treat every human with dignity and respect because they are created in the image of their creator. Every person has a godly image on them. Every person is a representative of God, and therefore every single person must be treated properly with dignity and respect. Every person is, in that sense, all an image of God. Maimonides further writes 
that we are obligated to help everyone in need, regardless of who they are, regardless of their background. After all, the, it says in Psalms, he quotes in Psalms, it says, Hashem lakol God is good to everyone and has mercy on all of his creations. God is good to every single individual, no matter whom they are. Doesn't matter. Everyone is, God is good to. We must be good to them as well. Maimonides terms this, or quotes the Talmud as calling this, Darkei Shalom, the ways of peace based on the verse in Proverbs, Derachecha Darkei Noam, the ways of the Torah are ways of pleasantness, and all of its paths are peace. The Torah is a Torah of peace, and therefore, as a Torah of peace, we believe that every single person should be treated with peace, with pleasantness, and with dignity, no matter who they are, no matter what their background is. We must treat every person as an image of God. Everyone must be treated well because of that. And therefore, it is a fundamental Jewish belief that no humans are inferior. Everyone is in the image of God. Everybody must be respected. Everybody must be treated with dignity. Does that mean that everybody is equal? So in a class that we gave a couple months ago, we explained that God made people inherently unequal. Humans are not equal. We don't believe in equality as a value of its own. Humans are not equal. God created humans with different natures, different talents, different levels of intelligence, different puts places us in different places, in different homes, in different communities, gives us different opportunities. No two people are the same. We are not equal in that sense. And God created our world, created our society, and created society inherently unequal. It will never be equal. We don't believe that equality is necessarily is a value. God made people different. However, although people are unequal, and we have no ethical obligation to make everybody the same, we do, though, have an ethical obligation to treat everybody, no matter whom they are, with respect and dignity. Because everybody is made in God's image. Every human is made in God's image. Every person must be treated with respect and dignity. The Torah says even about a, um, even about a criminal who is killed for their crimes must be treated, they cannot be hung, uh, overnight because they are in the image of God and they must be treated with respect. So even criminals must be treated with respect. They must be punished for their crimes, but they must be treated with respect. Everyone must be treated with respect. Everyone must be treated with dignity. Everybody must be treated with kindness. Everybody must be treated with mercy. God is merciful to all of his creations we must be merciful to all people as well.
Sort of. That's a good question. Do we believe in the death penalty? Sort of, or we do believe in the death penalty in a particular form. Exactly what form it is and whether it should apply today is a fascinating discussion. We actually did a class on a little while back as well. Okay, We've done a lot of classes over the years. Okay. Yes? You say that everybody should be, be treated with respect and dignity? Yes. Okay. But what happens if that person doesn't treat you with respect and dignity? That is an excellent question. Even when someone does not treat you, that's an excellent question. Even when someone does not treat you with respect and dignity, you must respond with respect and dignity. And in fact, one of, now that doesn't mean that you have to go back for more mistreatment. You can keep away from them. You can try to have them punished so that they don't do it anymore. That it doesn't contradict treating someone with respect and dignity. But even when we punish them, they must be treated with respect and dignity. Um, in fact, it's somewhat of a separate discussion. The Torah, and perhaps the most difficult mitzvah of the Torah, and maybe one day we have to do a class on it, the Torah tells us that we are forbidden from bearing a grudge against another person who harms us. Well, you could punish people. Does God, sometimes God punishes people and it's not merciful. Um, and I think your question is, well, why were the families punished? What did they do wrong? Is that the question? Why the family was punished as opposed to the individuals? No, no, no. I felt that the way that they were treated maybe was not merciful. By the earth swallowing them up, they weren't even given a chance to I mean, it was men, women, children. They didn't do, children didn't do anything. So I think you have a couple questions. One question is, what, what did the women and children do wrong? That's a very good question. Why would God punish the families? That's an excellent question. Um, I don't want to get into the details now because it's not something I could answer in 20 seconds. That's an excellent question. But remember, the people that did wrong were punished. They were given a chance to change. God gives them, and Moses worked very hard to get them to change. And they didn't change. And that's why they were punished, because they didn't change. Um, we do believe that you do have to punish people that do bad. That's very important. Even though we treat people with respect and dignity, that doesn't mean we shouldn't punish people for doing wrong. Um, we've done classes before about punishing people for their crimes. It's very important not to over-punish, but also not to under-punish. In fact, the Talmud says that anybody who is kind to the cruel, is merciful to the cruel, is being cruel to the merciful. In other words, if you are kind, you are, you are merciful to the cruel, you allow them to continue being cruel and cause more harm. So it's not, you do need to punish people who do bad. But we still need to treat everyone with respect and dignity. So, I don't, if a kid's being bullied, how should you treat the bullier? How to respond to bullying is a subject of its own. But anytime someone does something wrong, we must punish them for the wrong they're doing. Punish them in a way to stop them from doing the crime and stop others from doing such a crime. Um, but again, even people who are being punished should always be treated well while being punished. We still have to respect them while being punished and treat them with dignity. Okay. So let's, let's keep going. So we believe again in Judaism that every person is created in the image of God. God is merciful on all people 
and good to all people, and we must treat everybody well regardless of, regardless of whom they are. Indeed, much of our current belief that we have in the value of human dignity and the importance of treating everybody with respect and human rights comes from the 17th century Enlightenment thinkers like John Locke, John Locke who believed in um, the value and respect to every individual. And John Locke and other thinkers of the 17th century based their belief on the Hebrew Bible. They quoted these verses of God being kind to everybody and of everybody being created in the image of God. They quoted this as their sources for the belief that all people are equal. In, and all, sorry, all people are, should be treated with respect and all people are given certain unalienable rights that belief comes from, they based it on our Torah, on the Hebrew Bible. And in fact, our own, um, our own declaration of independence, which begins with, we believe, right, these beliefs to be, um, uh, that we believe uh, that, all be that all humans are created are endowed by their creator with unalienable rights. It's self-evident that all, that belief is based on this religious-based belief that God created every person with rights. And God created every person with a right to life, the right to liberty, the right to dignity. And these are beliefs that the Western world developed, Enlightenment thinkers developed and were the basis of our constitution, the basis of our independence. They were based on the Torah. They were based on the Jewish belief. They were based on the Jewish belief that all people were created by God and in God's image. What, what changed that? What, what changed that? So it was only in the 19th century. During the 19th century, there was, uh, during the 19th century, a new dogma emerged called science. And there was this belief, as they made advances in science in the 19th century, that science can replace religion and replace God. And based on science, they will be able to explain all of how our world works, and how humans should live. We can figure it all out based on science. And when science began to reject God and reject religion, and one of the key 19th century scientific theories was the theory of evolution, Darwinism, which believed that humans were not created by God, but evolved, evolved over many millions of years from lower, more primitive forms. And that served as once people believed that humans were no longer created by God, they began to believe, well, humans evolved. And humans evolved from this racial tree. And some races, and over time they spread out to different places, and some races evolved better 
then other races evolve, making some races inherently superior to others, while other races were inherently inferior. This new belief in Darwinism and in science believe that the earlier Enlightenment belief that was the base of our Constitution, basis of our country, of our, of our independence, Declaration of Independence, the belief in human dignity and the belief of the value of every human was not only mistaken, it was anti-science. Because based on Darwinism, every, um, every species naturally selects the best to continue. And natural selection allows species to continue improving themselves and evolving for the better. Humans that believe based on their religions that all humans should be treated equally are failing to better evolve their own species because they're keeping the weakest and worst among them, they're keeping them going. And so therefore, the great scientists of the 19th century, people like the father of um, the Harvard-based um, psychologists, considered the father of American psychology, Robert Yerkes, and others were big proponents of this new movement of the 19th century called scientific racism. It was a scientific belief that there were certain races had evolved inherently better than other races. And the inferior races were causing problems and making the world or humanity worse. And they had various suggestions. Firstly, they didn't like the idea of races mixing. Races mixing brings bad races into good races, right? If they would if they would marry or they would have children together, members of different races. They also thought certain races were inherently inferior and perhaps should be sterilized or at least should be limited how many children they should be able to have. Other races were superior. And there were many scientific papers that were published here in the United States where scientific racism was very, very strong in the late 19th century in Europe many scientific papers that studied racism. They measured skulls. They found that, found that Europeans had much larger skulls than Asians or Africans, and which meant that they had evolved much better. They found, they scientifically proved that Europeans have higher IQs and are smarter and are better than other races. And they published many papers showing the facts of racism and how races evolve differently. And by the early 20th century, racism and the scientific community was considered the latest science of the day. That was the science. It was only backwards religious people, anti-science people, that rejected racism, believing that all people were equal. And those few people, scientists, who published, who published studies showing that racism was false and incorrect and based on incorrect principles, were mostly Jews who had a bias. They had inherent bias to disprove racism since they were members of an inferior race. And their, their studies were largely rejected. So while the original beliefs in the dignity of every human 
came from Enlightenment scholars who found it in our Torah. It was the rejection of religion and the rejection of those biblical beliefs that led to, and the belief in the superiority of science, that led to the belief in racism, that became really the law of the land in many ways in this country, in parts of Europe, um, and became widespread um, and was widely believed in this country and in, in North America, in Europe, and in many places. Um, the, these beliefs are widely considered the up-and-coming science. It was the latest science. People who disagreed were anti-science. After, yes. Eugenics was a big part of racism, yes. And that was considered science too, and that was even Hitler believed Right, eugenics, eugenics, which was sterilizing inferior races or sterilizing people who were, um, who had other disabilities, uh, so they don't have children and create more inferior people, in other words, to enforce natural selection, as they believed. Um, that was all the result of these racist theories, absolutely. It was only after World War II, or after the Nazis took over Germany, and after the Nuremberg Laws in Germany, that people were horrified with what racism was leading to. And the anti-Nazism anti began. I should point out also that when, we when this country was founded, and we put up the Statue of Liberty that welcomed all immigrants, we always were open to people from anywhere. Anyone from anywhere was welcome to come to this country. There were problems with Asians at different points. There were problems. But generally, we welcomed anyone anywhere. It was only in the early 20th century that we finally closed our doors to immigration. We didn't allow anyone from anywhere. And that was mostly due to these racist beliefs. Because we had too many Southern Europeans coming in, Italians. We had too many Slavic people, Eastern Europeans coming in, too many Jews coming in. These were inferior races, and they were polluting the superior Western Europeans that already lived here and ruining the country. That was the belief. And that's why immigration was ended in 1922, open immigration. So the only reason why we no longer believe those beliefs was after Hitler rose to power, after Nazism, after the Nuremberg Laws, after Kristallnacht shocked people as to how vicious it can become. And then after the Allies defeated um, the Germans and saw the concentration camps and saw the Holocaust, and it became clear how horrific racism can be and what it can lead to, automatically racism became no longer accepted. It wasn't that the scientists discovered that their theories were wrong. It was the horrors of Nazism that led Europeans and Americans and people around the world to recognize how horrific racism is. And once they recognized that and were horrified by racism, we suddenly re-accepted our earlier beliefs of human dignity and how all humans are equal, are created the same by God, and how we all are in an image of God. 
Once we changed our viewpoint, suddenly the scientists realized that all of their earlier papers on racism were bogus. It was all false science. Their studies made no sense. The studies weren't done properly. Um, the results weren't, weren't good. All the science was bogus, but we only recognized that not because the scientists disproved the science, but because society changed after seeing the horrors of the Holocaust. And even then, it took another 20 years before the civil rights movement was really able to end racism in this country. People continued to believe in racism um, against blacks, against Jews in this country until it was really wasn't until the mid-1960s um, that the civil rights law and civil rights movement really brought an end to official racism in this country. And it wasn't until the early 1970s that we that racism became no longer socially accepted, no longer accepted in the public sphere. You cannot public be a, publicly be a racist and be accepted in this country anymore. Uh, you can pretend not to be and you know, be, a, be a secret racist, but racism is publicly no longer accepted in this country, thankfully. And now we discovered that the science was bogus all along. So at the center then of racism is the belief that humans can figure out themselves what is right and wrong. The belief that we can reject God, we can reject God's values, and if we just study the science, we can figure out right from wrong based on science. On our own, without God. And it led to the great horrors of racism. And it shows us that humans are fallible. Whatever we believe today to be true, scientifically, what we believe, our values, whatever we believe today, chances are tomorrow they will change. What we believe today to be true, we didn't believe yesterday. And they've changed so much over the years. There's no question they're going to change tomorrow. So what keeps us away from, ha what keeps us from having horrific beliefs like racism? So as the Enlightenment leader, uh, scholars believed, and as our, the founders of our country believed, that we need a bedrock moral principles, God-given moral principles as the bedrock of the, our, the foundation of our society, in order to truly have values, in order to have real values, in order to have meaningful values that don't just change on whim based on whatever's popular in society. What science tends to do, while science has create, given us many great discoveries, what science tends to do is it tends to prove whatever is accepted in popular culture. It tends, especially social sciences, science, which is hard to then verify, like phys physics. It's hard to then verify in experiments the same way we can verify physics. And uh, what it tends to do is it tends to follow whatever the culture tells it to do. And so it's important to remember that we need to have bedrock principles. What gave the world racism was our rejection of the principles that God gave us. The rejection of the principles of the Torah, that all humans were created by God. All humans were endowed by their creator. We rejected that. And as a result, it led us down the path of racism. What keeps us, again, what keeps us safe, what keeps us from developing horrific morals and values is by 
remaining loyal or remaining strong to these bedrock principles. It's important to remember that, that we should not be making up our own morals, even based on science, because it leads to horrific results, and it has led to horrific results, and it will continue to do so unless we have bedrock principles, and we believe those bedrock principles are the principles that God gave us. Any questions? Yes. I have an hypothesis. Sorry? I have an hypothesis. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. But there's no question that certain people have more talents than others. Um, certain people have more, are smarter than others. Certain people have more opportunity than others. We explained that earlier. God did not create humans equal. We, everyone, people are given different opportunities, right? Everyone is created different. Um, why God created a, whichever human the way they did, they did. Look, some people are very successful. You know, good for them. Some people are less successful, maybe because of their own bad decisions. Sometimes they did everything right and they're still not successful because that was God's choice for them. Um, to group everyone and say a particular group is more successful, um, it, we're individuals. Some individuals will be more successful, some will be less. Um, and we don't know how successful a person will be. It's up to God. And in fact, within a person's lifetime, most people are not successful their entire life and don't fail their entire life. Most people go through a yo-yo. They go up and down, right? Sometimes they're successful, sometimes they're not so successful. And so that's all up to God. It's all God's choice. He makes people different. But regardless, we don't have to be equal to believe that every single person is creating God's image. Every person must be treated with dignity, with respect, with kindness, with mercy, with caring. We believe that regardless of whatever abilities or situations God placed every person in. Why, do we all, why does everybody think all Jews are rich? I don't know. So you can't answer that. So, so now while... While we believe that all people should be treated with dignity and respect, and while the very concept of racism, that certain people are by their birth, uh, by their ethnic birth, depending on which group they were born to and which ethnic group they were born within, are descendants of a particular race as it evolved in the evolutionary tree, um, has no basis whatsoever in Judaism. It's a new theory that Definitely Judaism existed 3,000 years before this theory and has no base in Judaism. We now know that theory is totally bogus. There's no, there's no uh, basis for it whatsoever. People are complex. 
and uh, descendant of many, many, many individuals from all over, and groups merged and evolved over the years, and it's extremely complicated, we now know, and uh, people are not just members of a particular race. It's not true. Um, we know that. Um, the whole you know, concept of racism is not true, we know now. Uh, we also reject it because of what it led to. It has no basis in Judaism whatsoever. However, at the same time, that doesn't mean that we're not part of a group. We can still be considered part of a group. Most notably, we Jews believe that we are part of the Jewish people. We are a people. We are a group. We believe we're not just part of any people. We are part of God's chosen people. We believe that we, our ancestors, um, were chosen by God for a unique mission that doesn't make us members of a particular race. In fact, people can and have joined the Jewish people from other backgrounds over the years, converted to Judaism, and they are part of the Jewish people. We believe that God chose us with a unique responsibility to follow God's commandments. That doesn't give us the right to put down others. It doesn't give us the right to mistreat others. But it does mean that we have a certain responsibility as members of the Jewish people. Furthermore, not only are Jews a unique group, the Torah tells us how initially when Noah and his family spread out on the earth after the flood, they had children, grandchildren, and eventually they split up into 70 original nations. And we did a class a couple months ago about what those original 70 nations were um, and the various nations. So Noah, we believe, split into 70 nations. Every nation, we believe, has a unique role. We don't believe in a citizen of the world concept where you're not the member of any people and we should all be a single world, a single society. If we were, if we somehow became a totalitarian society, we'd be in big trouble. If there was only one, the whole world was one country. So we have always been different nations and different groups. God created us that way. The verse in Deuteronomy says, Yatsev Gevulot Amim. God sets the borders of nations. God sets nations and individual groups. And we have, we've built throughout our history, tribes, states, countries, groups that govern themselves, that control their own destiny. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. We have to learn to, that the groups have to learn to get along and not fight each other. But that's a good thing. It's okay for a nation to have its own independence, its own sovereignty. And people living within a particular group, within a particular nation, have a responsibility towards that group, should show loyalty towards that group. In fact, Jeremiah told the people who were being exiled to Babylon, the Jewish people who were being taken in exile to Babylon, when you come to Babylon, you must show loyalty to the Babylonians. You're now part of the Babylonian Empire. You must be loyal to the Babylonian state. And we believe that we are part of a sovereign nation. We must show loyalty to that nation, to that group. So yes, people should be and can be and are part of groups, part of particular groups, but that has nothing to do with racism. Racism is the belief that somehow every person, that every person is part of some race or some sort of tree that defines by birth who you are. 
And that we believe is inherently wrong, was wrong, always was wrong, and has no basis somehow in Judaism. And definitely the belief that certain groups of people are inferior to others is foreign to Judaism. Not only were we all humans created in God's image and therefore all inherently worthy and shall all be considered with dignity. The Kuzari, Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, writes in his book Kuzari that all humans are part of a single body. We're all like organs of a single body, of a single person. Each one has a different role to play, but we're all one and the same. A person should never mistreat another individual because not only are they in the image of God, they are an extension of yourself. When you mistreat another individual, you are hurting yourself. It is like one hand hurting the other hand. You're hurting yourself. We are all part of one body. So rather than seeing ourselves as different, different groups, different races, remember that deep down at our core, we are all truly one and the same. In 1991, in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights, which is a neighborhood in Brooklyn where the Rebbe lived and many of his followers lived. Um, Crown Heights still till today is half Jewish, half African-American. And um, riots broke out where the um, African-Americans were rioted and attacked Jews in Crown Heights in 1991. You could Google it. It's called the Crown Heights Riots. And uh, for a couple days, um, they rioted, people were killed, and uh, thankfully it was, the riots dissipated over time, and now the community, thankfully, gets along very well. But at the time, the mayor of New York, David Dinkins, came to the Rebbe, and he told him that he was working to bring the two sides together. The Rebbe responded to him, there are no two sides. We're all one people. We might have different religions. We might have different color skin. We might look differently. We're all one people. We're all part of humanity. We're all really one and the same. We're not different at all. We're not two groups. When some people show violence to another group, they're showing violence themselves because we're all really one and the same. It's all a single group. We all have to learn to get along with everyone and learn to treat everyone well and treat everyone with dignity and respect. And so, in conclusion, not only is racism wrong and foreign to Judaism, what led to racism was a lack of belief in Jewish values that our Western society was built on, um, belief in the dignity of every human being. Ultimately, we are all created in the image of God. Every person must be treated with respect. So not only is it wrong, um, is it scientifically wrong, but it must, but it is um, against our Jewish values. Um, and it's important to remember that the mistaken belief in racism, which was very popular for a very long time, was a result of the belief that somehow we can manage ourselves as humans, creating our own humanist values without God-given values. Let me just conclude because I know